0: Faithful to the work, enduring hardships, enduring brokenheartedness, the pain of the pain of ministry, which is what it is. Uh, he's been a faithful man of God, doing the work of the Lord for fifty solid years. I just praise the Lord for that. That's just you know, that's just something to celebrate. So. I'll not take any more of his time. Brother Gary, you come. And you uh, are in a position, I normally do not turn this pulpit over to missionaries. <laughs> I can preach down there. Right? <laughs> no, that, that's, it's, not, it's not the desk. <laughs> uh, but uh, the church knows that. I, we, but the reason he's preaching this morning is because I trust this man. He has been faithful to real Bible doctrine. He's been faithful to the gospel for more than fifty years. God bless you, my brother. God bless you.
1: It's good to be here, Amen. Is this thing working? Yes, sir. Is it All green? Right. We'll try not to bust your eardrums, amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes, your job, all right. I want you to remember something if you will. Um, I didn't get to this part when we was out there this summer out in Savunga, I want to take about three or four minutes, so okay? go ahead um, We met with the people that had the city hall, and I said, now you know we we have that bottom floor for ministry." they said no I said yes because I knew this was coming you was going to deny it when I got here and I said but we got it and it kind of spooked them a little bit because I said it pretty strong and I said this is, this is she said we need it I said for what she said for gambling the most poverty stricken place in, in, in the United States and they need it for gambling that's their only hope so they put they do these pull tabs. So we got the place. She said, I said, when do you have to do this? She said four from four to ten. At night. I said, so we've got it before and we got it after ten o'clock. Those folks up there, they may stay up to four or five in the morning and get up by twelve or one. So we started at two. <laughs> We had flyers out, people started coming in. They didn't come as many in the daytime as they did at night. We had three nights. And the first night, about 15, 10 or 15 stayed. The second night, about 20 or 25 stayed. And the last night, all of Seventh sudden the Adventists came. And they were up into their 90s, 96 years old. I guess something about Wallace Blubber is good. <laughs> life extending, and they would—they were there, and I preached the gospel just like Brother Colin did and Brother Josh did. We preached the gospel, and oh my, they were—they were weeping. And when they got done, they would take us by the hand and wouldn't turn loose, and kept thanking us for coming. One man especially that touched my heart. His name is. Larry Kaba. And I thought he was saying Kaba. And I didn't know how to spell it. And I wasn't, I didn't want to keep on after him. But he was holding my arm and wouldn't turn loose and crying and thanking us for coming. So we need to go back. Amen. You pray for Larry. I pray for him every day when I wake up. He's on my mind. And so, and I named a couple of guys. About three of them that were young men, that uh, they followed this elder. He was 80, he, Larry's 83 years old. I don't know if he's saved or not. And so I named them David and Jonathan because they were hooked together. <laughs> and then I named another one that I hugged and named him Jeremiah. I pray for him every day and the people of Savunga and I, I'm asking you to pray with me for them that they'll hear the gospel and receive it and be saved. Amen. Uh, the reason I'm on the mission field is to see people saved and build a church, baptize them, and teach them the word of God and establish a church. And accept the Lord build a house, they that labor, labor in vain. And one, one young guy up there said, oh man, I'll show you how to build a church. And I just shook my head. That ain't the way you do that. Amen? That's not of God. There's a song. Y'all like this, all this great singing? I like it. There's a song, and I'm not sure of the title, but I listened to the song. It just blew me away. It was, uh, God didn't say that, or he didn't say that. Have y'all heard that song? Where's the song, Lee? Where's Justin? Have you heard that? Say it again. You need to find that. You'd love that. Oh, my. And I'm going along and something's in my mind. I said, God didn't say that. That's the wretched devil. You know, I hate him. You know, the more you serve God, the more you're going to have to fight him. He don't like it. He's a liar, the liar. That's who he is. And my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is Revelation twenty ten, where The devil that deceived them will be cast into the lake of fire and be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen? Are y'all with me on that or not? Y'all love the devil? No. Oh, I hate him and I don't feel sorry for him when he's going to roast. Yeah. He's tried to kill my wife. Yeah. A lot of things. We go into that. So I don't know what time we quit. Twelve? Wow. Let's start at the beginning. We've not read a lot. Let's just start at the beginning. (laughs) When uh, God made Adam and God made Eve. Amen. Made a beautiful garden that was perfect and everything was perfect. Amen. Created all life. Created the universe. The greatest creation was not the universe and all the stars. The greatest creation is that which he made in his own image, and that's man. That's amazing what he did, made him a free moral agent. He could say yes to the gospel. He could. So the next thing you know is here we're in the garden, and there's a serpent in there, and you know who that is. And I've wondered about some things, and maybe brother, this brother here could, brother Dale, could tell us what this says, but I'm gonna throw a few thoughts at you and then I'll duck amen so <laughs> you don't throw me out of here too bad but you know here's what uh, Satan said in the garden when uh, they were discussing the trees to eat of he said God said you could eat all the trees in the garden she said Eve said well you can't eat of the tree of good, not the knowledge of good and evil or you're gonna die And his words were easy, easy, easy now. Not loud like Hampton, just easy. You shall not surely die. That's the first lie I know of on God. The world lies on God. You know that? Every day they lie on God. They say he he don't exist. That's a lie on God. He's been lied on more than you can ever count. Satan comes in a way and it's, it's not a a hammer blow. It's just there's no way he exists. Where is he at? You don't see him. Is he on a telephone pole or is he fixing a pier? Where is he at? People use this all the time. God wouldn't let children suffer. So there can't be a God or that kind of God I don't want to have anything to do with because they don't know the scriptures and they don't understand and they're listening to the devil. There is a language that he is using that I, um I don't know if you shared that thing that I sent to you, did you? You may not have. That's okay. I'm just going to have to do it. What uh, a man I've been witnessing to for 20 years, I witnessed him back off and hope that it's uh, connecting with him. And I probably won't find it because I've got so many things here. But his language, this boy's language was, he said, I can't believe you you've invested all this time and energy, all these many, many years, into this mythology called Jesus. And he bought the lie. He bought it. That's his. He, he, he said he was just a man like me and you. And when he died, we're going to die just like him. And he said, Won't you go get a life? He's told me that many times. There's one thing you can say. There's a testimony there. There There's a testimony that at least we didn't bow the knee to him. We didn't bend our knee, did we? And he'll answer to God for all of that, but he's one of a billion or six billion or maybe more because I don't have any saved on this earth. Jesus said about the devil, you... He told the Pharisees, You of your father the devil, and he got to the point where he said he was a liar and the father of it. You have to go back to the beginning. So what did he tell Eve? He said, You'll be as gods. You looked that word up. I looked it up in Strong's. I you know, he's not uh, uh he He don't know it all, but I'll tell you he said that 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 word gods is the same word as uh Elohim. It was Elohim. And I believe he was simply telling her, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. I'm also uh, looking at it and I'm thinking, well now, these demons, why did they follow him? I wonder, don't know. I mean, I believe in Revelation 12 that the third part of the stars that were coming were not like planets. Planets. But they were angels. That's just my opinion. And uh, why did they follow him? Did he tell a lie to them to get them to follow him? Saying, we'll defeat this God and we'll be above God. Because we don't have time to get into Isaiah 14, right? Where he said, I will be like the most high God. I will be above the stars of God. All the things that he said about God, I will be, I'm gonna be God. What is, when we read the book of Revelation 13, we see it in the tribulation period where he's gonna get what he wants, that little spot of worship. He'll be worshiped. His man, the Antichrist, will be worshiped. They'll speak evil of our God, the eternal God the only God. He said, God said in Isaiah 45, Look unto me and be you saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. None else. That means none. Like as in He is God alone. And all these gods of Hindu." and Japanese gods, and I don't care if it's American Indian gods, I'm Seminole Indian, and the whole thing, it does not matter, there's only one God. Sitting with a a man that's a nurse, and he was going over my wife's program and in-house stuff. We're living with uh, Corinne Alanese right now, and she's taking care of my wife right now, and everything's good. My wife has to go through, uh, like ten, uh, two weeks of, of, uh, uh, antibiotics. And he, well, I was talking to him about the Lord and I never heard anything like he was coming off with. That when you speak of Buddha and all the Hindu gods, you're just speaking of the one God. That's not, that's not right. He was denying that. But I mean, I began to really talk to him and took up about an hour and a half more of his time. A lot of people are being duped. They're looking to religion because Satan is the head of it. So what has man tried to do all since Adam? He's tried to build a paradise or a utopia without God. He went about living his life without God. In Genesis 6, God got enough and created the flood, didn't he? And took them all away. And then he said, it's in the heart of man to continue to live in his sin. In chapter 8 of Genesis. And he said, I won't destroy man again. And the next thing you know is that he separates the nations God did it in Genesis chapter 10. There's nothing wrong with that. He put them where he wanted them and they didn't like it. So in Genesis chapter 11, they all came together again to build that tower of Babel and become of one language and God went down and boom. Right? Right? separated them all out they were trying to build their utopia their paradise without God I'm going to say this now because I just love it I, it's not part of my thinking right now but I'm going to say it that thief on the cross has preached more than you can ever imagine the one that the one that got saved the one that said remember me <laughs> I better not hit the pulpit. So I'm saying to you, I'm saying he preached more right there. Did he have time to do any good works? Yes or no? Did he have time to get baptized? Did he have time to sing a song? You just go on down the line and it goes on forever. All he had to do was receive Christ with his heart and he did remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, your paradise is not going to be out there with your comfort zone and building your fishing and your hunting, which is nothing wrong with all that. And uh, whatever you do, go eat it, Longhorn or whatever. <laughs> that, that, you, your paradise is going to be in here until you get to heaven. This is going to be it. Live it, eat it, drink it, sleep it, love it. When I got saved, that's what happened in my life. My daddy would be sitting over there with my uncles and they were drinking Ham's beer and they was drinking vodka, tequila, Jack Daniel's, everything. And they were just where they couldn't even hardly talk. When I I walked to church, because I I had to walk, I had a back surgery and I couldn't ride in a car. Dennis Thomas was preaching to me all the time, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. Didn't no more no until I went up there and heard Brother Charles Thomas preach, and God broke my heart and I saw myself a sinner, going straight to hell without God no hope. It was like God was way off and I was here and there's hell and that's gonna be it. And when I from my heart, my heart's arms raised to him and Wanted to be saved and pled to be saved. Trusted him as my savior. He saved me. It was like he put his arms around me. Yeah. And I have never seen myself going to hell. Ever. Again because Christ is inside. Satan hates that. He lost something. He wants to destroy everybody. He wants to destroy Israel. Israel. Revelation chapter 12. He wants. He wanted to destroy the Christ child, didn't he? You remember all that? He put in the hearts of men from the day of Eve that there's something better without God. And men bought the lie. All the way down through every generation, time fleeting. Let's just go to 1848, a man named Karl Marx was born. And that that dude didn't get to see much of his uh, communist manifesto come to fruition. But Vladimir Lenin, y'all own that name? He, he, he took it and ran with it, didn't he? And you know he he took all private property and he put it in the hands of the state. And then we're gonna we're gonna kill we're gonna destroy history. We're gonna start right here, and you're gonna be put in labor camps. If you didn't want to go, you died. And then if you didn't want to be instructed or to be educated in a new way, you died. They killed like sixty million people, forty to sixty million. Stalin did the same thing. No God. There's no God. So we're going to build our utopia. We're going to build our paradise the way we think it because there's no God to worship. And if you, 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 you died if you, if you started serving God. Man's always done this. Always done this. I got news for you. It's going to keep going. It ain't going to get better. If you think there's a revival going to come, the, My positive message to you is you hadn't read your Bible. There is no revival coming. You so you're awful negative. No, it's not. All I see is the signs of the times. I see we're in the end of days. It's real. And the next thing you know is there are men like Klaus Schwab. Who's heard that name? Who's heard the name? Yuval Noah Harari, not many, one or two, that talks just like Daniel chapter 11 about God. That dude Harari talks just like, uh, let's go look at it. I won't preach all day. I turned right to it. How would I do that? Look at, at uh, Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36, and this is going to speak about the Antichrist. You'll hear it. I won't have to point it out. In the Kings, verse 36, Daniel eleven thirty six, the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things. That's not good things. That is unbelievable. How could this be things? Anybody do? That's crazy. Against God, against the God of gods. That's our God. He's talking about our God. He is going to do this. Then he said, And shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard. Now here's something that gets me. I'd like to know what y'all think. Listen. He shall neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. That's a Jewish phrase. You know, Adam, Abraham died and was buried with with his fathers. That's a Jewish phrase. It sounds like the Antichrist is going to be a Jew. By the way, if you read Second Thessalonians chapter two, you see that the Antichrist is said spoken of in there that he will sit in the temple as he was God. I just don't ever, I can't get, I, I I can't wrap my mind around that the Jews today are going to allow a Gentile to sit in there in that temple. But there's people that look like the Antichrist and I'm not going to be the one that names him because I don't believe you can. I'm not boring y'all to death, am I? so the next thing so the next thing you know yes I think somebody said yes so so the next thing you know like I mean there's a language of the devil I wish I could find that but I this young man that got saved got so his name is Christopher you saw his face and I you know I've challenged him on whether he's saved or not uh I couldn't get out to him when COVID hit. He served God for nine, nine months and then he couldn't stand it. Nobody there knows God. It's like nobody wants to serve God and they mocked him and he was brand new and I couldn't get out there and I was with him every day on the phone with the texting messages and all kinds of things and helping him. And he, he left. He left God. Does that mean he's not saved? No. Somebody said one time, well, he drank a beer, he must not be saved. (laughs) See, that's works, isn't it? So the next thing you know is, really, he goes bottom up, I mean deep, and then he just gets mad at God and starts using such foul language. And I I was reading that And it was like it was coming out of the mouth of Satan, just like it was Well, this man named Tim Sell. Same language. Same stuff. Satan is so wicked, and people have bought the lie. We as conservatives a lot of times speak about this thing called climate change. Climate changes If you don't believe that, I'm going to come out of here. It was 109 when I got here. Right now, there's three inches of fresh snow on the ground where I'm going. And it's down, somebody said it was like uh, minus four degrees. Minus four. I didn't see that. That's what they said they saw. And the climate changes because it was hot in the summer, like 80 or 90 degrees. But the way that these... Globalists are using it. It is their baby. They use it to bring in their Antichrist. Man is always looking for a way to build his utopia without God. All this woke business, all this Marxism that's in our schools and universities, that taught Marxism and Grade school, they grow up, they go to universities that are liberal, learning Marxism, they come back, they don't hold your values anymore. They're preaching a language of the devil. And just to kind of get going here, let's just look at Revelation 13 real fast and see just a couple of things. And that same language I was talking about, that Harari guy, he's a Jew, and he doesn't desire women, he desires men, and we read that in Daniel chapter eleven, and then he spoke against the God of gods, he even admitted there's a God, he said, but we've got a i and it's going to be smarter than God we're going to get you'll be burning your Bibles, you won't even want your Bible because AI is going to write a new religion and it will dissolve all other religions. Y'all never heard that, have you? It's all over YouTube if you don't find it and vomit. And I, I he said, Our God, our hey, you know, they're going to worship and serve the creature. I always thought that as man, but I'm not so sure anymore. Look at, listen to this. I, I, know, I know I'm hitting and skips and all that. Time is fleeting. I mean, over in um, verse uh, four, uh, they worship the dragon, which gave power to the beast. That's the Antichrist. This is what Satan has always wanted. He's going to get it. it. Ain't happened yet. We're not in the. Tri- I, I, we won't go through that tribulation if you believe your Bible. And they worship the beast saying, who's like unto the beast? And I was giving him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power is given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. And I hear it every day. And John said in, in uh, first, first John, what did he say? There are many antichrists. They're all around, aren't they? Yeah. And you get down here to like verse uh, uh, 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, in the sight of the beast. Now look, now we're going to stop just a little bit and slow up. Look at the phrase. Just look, I just challenge your mind to look at the phrase. And he said, Saying to them that dwell on the earth, who would that be? Talk to me. Who? All the people, right? That dwell on the earth. We're not going to be there. They're going to be there. Those unbelievers will be there. There'll be people saved, I believe, during the tribulation. But look what he said. He said that they should make. What does the word make mean? Create? That's what gods do, and Satan said, and to Eve, "You shall be as gods, or God." That they should make an image. What's an image? You can take a bust of a of a a soldier and put it up. That would be an image. Take a picture. That's an image. That's not the real, but it's an image. That they should make an image. So this image is going to be created by those that dwell on the earth, right? I mean, I didn't say that. God did right here. That they should make an image to the beast. I've often wondered how the old-time preachers that didn't have a TV or nothing, and that surely they'd have internet or nothing, nothing like that, how in the world they could see, how they could figure out how the, the two witnesses would be seen by the world. And today, we don't have any trouble with that. C-N-N. (laughs) All kinds of stuff. Internet would show us those two laying in the streets, dead. But then I thought, what about this scripture? What about this one right here? I mean, man is always, even the Antichrist, he's building his utopia and he's denying God It's nothing new. They bought the lie. And he said, make an image to the beast. Oh, it's going to look like the beast, okay, which had the wound and the sword and so on did live. And he had power to give life. Whoa. Now, that's what always got me. Have you all ever watched the AI talk? They had one that was made of a woman that I kept thinking, is that a woman or is that a robot? Y'all are just looking at me. I'm afraid you're going to grab me and throw me out of here now. Hey, you know what they're scared of? I'm not scared of it, but they're scared that I could turn on man and kill man. I mean, I mean, it's amazing what, what's out there. But it, it said that, they, that he had power to give life to the image. I don't know the word very well. I can't hardly say it. Sentient. Y'all know that word, sentient? Say it again. Yeah, self-aware, consciousness. And they're they're scared to death that AI is going to be sentient. Hey, we're talking about lost people now. We're not talking about us. Because we're not worried about it, are we? I'm not worried a bit about it. I'm saying bring it on if that's what it is. I'm ready for Jesus to come. (laughs) Look at what he said. He said he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak. I destroy the king's English. I know it. I'm doing my best to be eloquent right now. (laughs) It's hard to laugh. Those things can speak. They can talk. They can answer. They can carry on a conversation with you when you ask them a question. Are you with me? That the image of the beast should both speak. It's not a person. It's an image. And here's here's what's going to happen. You know, AI, I don't know if y'all ever used it. I haven't used it. My son used it. He's a... Salesman for Canon, copiers and such in a business up there in Alaska, and he needed to write out a big something on, on, on a certain subject. And so he just, that was going to take him a week to do. And AI did it in 15 seconds. I just thought that might be interesting. So here's what he said that the image should both speak and cause. Because, you know, there's something that I think, I thought, how does everybody, how does the beast and all that bunch know how many has taken the mark and those that have not? But I won't tell you that A hey, I could know in 15 seconds of all the people in the world that's taken it. So here's what he said, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast, should be killed. That's what they're afraid of now, the lost people that have created this thing. And they don't even know the scriptures in there. All about trying to build a utopia without God. All the globalism, all the garbage. What are we supposed to be doing while all those idiots are together and just doing their thing? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, Jesus said in in Matthew 24, he said this, that before the end comes, the gospel must be preached. I believe it's Revelation 14 that angels took the everlasting gospel and preached it. God wants the gospel preached. He wants this church to be preaching the gospel. Amen. He wants missionaries to preach the gospel. He wants us to go over all the earth, the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to the uttermost part and preach the gospel. He didn't say that you had to preach to millions and forget the hundreds. He said to every creature. Amen? So, and I'm going to close this because of time, and I've just run around in circles, I guess. But in Matthew chapter 9, in verse, 30, in verse um, 35, Jesus laid out a pattern for his church and for his missionaries, for us, for everybody. He said, and Jesus went about all the cities, that's plural, and villages, that's plural, teaching in our synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What do we need to preach? The gospel, what is the message? It's not the weather. It's not how are you doing. It's the gospel. And then he said, and healing every sickness, he had a heart of compassion, didn't he? And every disease among the people. And then, you know the story, the feeding of 5,000 or 4,000, no doubt. You know that story. You got a great preacher right here that knows the word of God, amen? And then the Bible says, but when he he saw the multitudes, have you ever seen the multitudes? Let me share something with you. When I was in Alaska, we lived off the land a lot. When we were in Nome, we'd go out and go try to find the caribou. There was a half a a million, that's 500,000, coming down the western Arctic herd. And 100,000 would come out on the Seward Peninsula. And break up in groups of 30,000, 15,000, 10,000, 500, whatever, just scatter all out through there. We'd get on snow machines and go where I thought man had never been. I was thinking and praising God that that snow machine kept moving. And looked at the Bendelaban Mountains, huge mountain range. We went about 200 miles and it started tapering down. I said, they've got to be over there. You could kill at this time. This is back in like 2000, 2001. You could kill five a day, but that'd be ridiculous every day of the year except during the the cabin season. You know, we don't want to just slaughter and leave it, right? I mean, there were six of us went out and brought 20 back one time and divided them up and then we had enough meat to last everybody. But the deal is... There's three got up. I said, about there on the top of that mountain right there. And the man was with me and his boy, and they went up there. And then I went over the hill and went back up. There's no trees. No trees. No trees. Did I say there's no trees? There's no trees. Rolling like this. And then I saw about 15. I boom, I dropped one. Went over to it. And then I happened to look that way and it looked like the earth was moving. I had never seen anything like this. As far as your eyes could see, maybe miles, the earth was moving. It was caribou coming straight at me. And when I put that gun on that leader, which I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger, that kid up there, he wanted to get in on that, and it scared him. And he leaped to his right, and it was like the whole earth moving. They were coming up over the hills. And Jesus saw the multitudes coming up over the hills. There's more than 5,000. If there's 5,000 men, there might have been 5,000 women. There might have been 20,000 children. There might have been thirty or 40,000 coming over those hills looking for him. Going to the left and going to the right. And where is this Jesus? We want to see Jesus. We want Him. He'll feed us. He'll save us. He'll something to for us. He was the next part. And you know all this. You've got it on your boards. And I said, am I going to preach that? Well, it's in my heart to do. And He was moved with compassion. When is the last time you were moved with compassion? I don't know how to say this without sounding stupid. I'll just tell you, I woke up crying. Big cry baby, I guess. Out there in Savunga. Praying for those people. Woke up crying. You know what we need today and you can't conjure it up. And he can't give it to you. Only God can do this. And you've got to be committed to get there. You aren't going to get a burden. Those that are uncommitted have no burden. Or, does that make sense? You've got to be committed to, get a, to have a burden for somebody, for a people, for a village, for a city, for a nation. Or you're not going to do anything. You can come in here and sing, hear all the beautiful music. You can have a good time and love everybody. And if you don't have a burden, when you go out that door, it's over. It's the same way with me. If I don't have a burden, I can't be a missionary. And there's times I've struggled because I am a sinner saved by grace. As David said, I am but a worm and I've felt like that. And the closer we get to God, the more we feel like that because there's no comparison between us and God. God is great. We are not. God is great. He looked and saw it, had compassion. I believe the tears ran down his face. He saw them as they were fainted and as they scattered in my mind, I see Savunga going left and going right. No preacher to preach the truth. I don't know how to get that done. That's going to be on God. Without me, you can do nothing, he said. But I pray for people every day that men will surrender preach up there and hear the truth and surrender to the truth and forsake Seventh-day Adventist stuff. And he said, they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he turned and said, the harvest truly is plenteous." You know what we're not seeing? We're not seeing the harvest. We need to see the harvest. There's millions out here. I don't know how many millions there are. What is it, five or six or ten million people live here? Yeah. We drive by them, round them. They shoot in front of us like crazy parrots in a fight. Just crazy. I've never seen such stuff. It's plenteous for me, that 850 people at Savunga. That harvest to me is plenteous. One guy said, you need to quit going there and go where the multitudes are. That's not what Jesus said. I went down through helping Dennis Thomas go down through uh, to Costa Rica. It took two weeks. We drove down through Mexico where we stopped. They'd all gang around me and I'd preach to them and I had an interpreter and weep my eyes out. They thought I had something for them. Every place I went, I I went to we went and got in El Salvador. And and we even did out dead people on the road where they had them fights with the Sandinistas and the Rep and the Rebels and all that stuff. And they said the the bandits are out in the daytime, you gotta go that way. And I thought, yeah, that's right in their lap. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And we went on. And passed about two hundred people. Somebody shot up beside me and hollered out, "Blow, blah, 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 Something I don't know what he said. And they, and the Dennis's children was with me. Said, "You lost the ice chest." So I told him on on the radio that I'd be right back. and went back by them, and there's about two hundred of them workers. That had a straw hat, had a machete, and had a stick. They were uh, cutting right away. Y'all done that lots of times, right? They didn't have no welfare. If they didn't work, they didn't eat, and they died. And I hollered out, Viva Salvador! And they just threw their hands up and hollered it right back. I thought, I'm in a good spot. They won't cut my head off. That'll be good. I stopped, and they said, the ice chest is gone. I said, well, take this. And I had handfuls of tracks. I didn't get to do that. You say that? I didn't, I I just grabbed them. I didn't get to do that. Hands were coming in there grabbing them. Tracks. One old man, I watched him. He took his hat off. He put it, that track, he was reading it. He put it on his chest and bowed his head and I could see his lips moving. I loved it. Amen. Dennis kept saying, you, you're called to go to Costa Rica with me. I said, you back off and let God do the calling. Because everywhere we went, is the same thing. Hundreds of people you preach to, and they listened to it. And the next thing you know, God said it was going to be Alaska. And when I went to Alaska, and I handed out a track in Nome. they took it looked at it, wadded it up, and threw it down and kept going. Isn't that amazing? We need a burden. We need a burden for the harvest. Your harvest is here. Mine's up there. The world is the harvest. We need a burden for the gospel to get out. Your, your utopia is right here. In my opinion in this church and then you'll go to paradise when you die if you're saved Amen I pray that you're saved I'm going to turn the service over to you Pastor
0: and I'm sitting there thinking what am I going to do with that What was it about? You know, I heard tell of a pastor, you know him, or you knew him, he's in heaven now, led me to Christ. But I heard a preacher say one time about him, he said he's the only man that he, that he knew that he could get on a horse and ride off in four directions at the same time. He kind of did that with his preaching today. He He went off in several directions. What was it it about? If if you boil that down to, to something that God wants to talk to you about today, what was it? It was exactly what it was. A burden. I know about a burden. I've had a burden for this place for going on about 30 years some of you not all some a few you know, I love that scripture the Lord of the harvest says send the laborers into the harvest So he talks about the laborers being few but God's not he never had a problem with a few he can take a few and do more than you can imagine But the laborers have to get into the harvest. And the laborers don't go into the harvest without a burden for the harvest. Where do you get the burden? Do you have to invent that? Do you have to create that? You can't. Only the Lord of the harvest can create the burden. Sometimes he does it pretty quick, sometimes it takes a while. But I remember I remember when I got saved. It was on Thursday night in February nineteen seventy seven, same year you went to Alaska, if I'm if I'm listening. I didn't think I didn't think I had a chance. You said God was up there and I'm here and there's hell waiting. And I'm so far away from God. There's no hope for me. That's what the Pentecostal preacher told me. Every Sunday when I went with my sister. Yes you got to live it. But I couldn't live it. And old brother Turk. Showed up on my door. With that old wore out. Scofield Bible he carried around. King James Version Bible. And he opened that Bible. And he showed me. That the whole reason Christ died was because I couldn't live it. Yeah. Blew my mind. I never heard about anything like that before, let alone anybody show it to me in the Bible, but right there it was. And this was God's word. This is the Bible. I had to believe it. And I told the Lord, I said, hey, it was like it was like I caught him in a mistake or something. Now I know that sounds a little weird, but. You got to remember, I was lost and I was 26 years old, so. And I'm thinking, I, I said, Lord, I just saw it right there. That, that I can't, I, that you know I can't live it and, and, but you did it for me. If I trust you, you'll handle it. And I wasn't really saying words with all of this, you know, it was just heart to the Lord. And so the next thing was, I'm in. I'm in. And you know what God gave me that night? He gave me a burden. It was for my family first. So I chased my brother off. He never would come see us anymore after all I talked about was Jesus. But I had a burden. You know what I found out about my brother, who's six years older than me? I'm the youngest of 12. My brother was probably the most evil man I ever met. You talked about your dad and your uncles. Well, my brother Bill, he was as worthless as you could possibly imagine. I won't even get into why. But a few years ago, my brother Bill was on his deathbed. And so I decided, do I go to the funeral or do I go see him now? So I booked a plane and I went back to Missouri and I went to see Bill. Bill's laying there on his bed. He's still coherent, cancer hadn't taken him that far yet. You know what I found out? My brother Bill had been saved about three or four years and was serving the Lord in the First Baptist Church of Greenfield, Missouri. Blew my mind again. Burden paid off. But I learned something else. I learned that I was required to love who Jesus loves. Amen. When I got saved, I, was, I had a burden for my family, but that wasn't enough. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that burden began to spread as I learned more about the heart of the Lord. He began to change my heart the same way. And I've had a burden for you for years. And some of you, some of you are starting to catch. Wouldn't it be great if if the burden of the Lord would just be like COVID. I mean, you just touch them and they got it, you know, just, just floating around in the air and you breathe it, you're just going to get it. Well, that's happened to some of you. Josh and Christine have a burden for their neighbors. Some of them aren't here today, but there's a whole bunch of them trusted Christ so far. And you haven't been through the whole neighborhood yet either. I see Jasmine and Robert sitting over here. You know why they're here this morning? The McKees are in Oklahoma, but they're here this morning because the keys have a, McKees have gotten a burden. And, and Jasmine and Clarissa visit every day after school. And here they are. If they're not careful, I'm going to teach them Bible classes. <laughs> Do you have a burden? And if you don't. Why don't you ask God today to give you one? I could ask him to give you one. As a matter of fact, I will. Why don't you ask God to give you a burden? Preachers. Are retiring. That's a. That's an acceptable way to say they're quitting. That's what it means. You're old enough to retire, Gary. But you're not going to quit, are you?
1: Well,
0: I plan to retire, but I'm not going to quit. How does that work? Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And he did it to save you from your sins. And he's the only one who can. If you remember this church. Or if you're not. If you know you're saved. Why don't you ask God. You can do it where you stand. Where you sit. You can come up here. You can do it any way you want to do it. I really don't care. But Why don't you ask God to give you a burden? Ask Him to give you a burden for the lost. They're everywhere, and they're a mess.